Hey guys, I'm Kristen. And I'm Kara. Welcome to Town and Field Church. We're so glad that you've joined us this morning. And as we prepare to gather and open up the scripture and worship, we pray that wherever you are at would become an encounter with Jesus and that you would be reminded of the abundant life that's found in him. Yeah, we just pray that your home would become an extension of this house, that you would feel welcome here just as you are. Our service will begin in just a moment. Just came on, now I can't see you, but uh, you were looking great. Uh, come on in, let's, uh, let's stand and worship together.
I will give your praise amongst the people. Before you sit down, turn around and just acknowledge the other people who are here and that we're praising the Lord together in his presence this morning.
Just want to bring to your attention a few of the exciting things that are going on amongst us as a congregation right now. On uh, November 9th, this church is hosting a parenting equipping evening uh, for parents and caregivers on internet safety and digital literacy. Now, this is an event that uh, absolutely anybody can come to. We encourage you not only to register yourself, but to invite people from your neighborhood, parents you know from school, the other parents that your kids play sports with, all of those kinds of things. If you're looking for something to hand somebody, we have a bunch of these uh, back at the information center at the back. So pick one of those up on your way out and spread the word about that. Um, something else that's happening here this morning, we're going to have a brief time of commissioning a new couple into partnership in our global outreach ministry this morning. And I'm going to invite uh, uh, Fabian to come up here to the platform, and he's, he's going to, in a minute, just share a few things about their ministry um, and what they're going to be going into, uh, and then we're going to pray over them as a couple as well. Um, I want to challenge us to two things before he uh, speaks here this morning. If your own personal engagement in missions has been very distant or maybe even non-existent, and what I mean by that is that you're not really praying for uh, what God is doing in terms of the gospel spreading around the world. You've never been involved in financially supporting anybody who's going overseas or anything like that. I want to strongly encourage you to connect with this couple. Um, many of you at least rec will recognize them. They've attended here for a few years, participated actively in this congregation uh, in the young adults and night shift ministries. And in order to make this work, they need an army of people standing with them, knowing what they're doing, praying for the challenges that they're going to face. They have a young baby they're taking with them, to be raising a family overseas. There's challenges with that. They're going to need our prayers. Um, and then I also want to encourage you just to connect in general to the global outreach of this church as a whole. Um, again, on the back table there, there's these uh, brochures that give kind of an overview of our total outreach program. Um, and then I want to encourage you also to go on the website. Um, on the website, it looks something like this. We can get that up there, yeah. Um, under the about there, it's partnerships. If you click on that, it comes to a page like this. If you scroll down a little bit, on the left there, it says partnership email list. And if you click on that, you'll get this form. And I, it just, you just put in your name and your email address, and we'll send you some of the update dates about what's going on with our missionaries. And uh, we really want to encourage you to connect with what God is doing through our church in these global outreach partnerships. But let me turn it over to Fabian, and he's going to share a bit about their ministry. Thanks, Rich. Here we go. So, yeah, who don't know me yet, uh, I'm Fabian. Um, this is my lovely wife, Brianna. And the little snuggle in there is uh, Lucas James, and he born August 29th. Uh, yeah, and we are really glad he's here too. Um, yeah, we want to share a little bit about um, what we want to do and uh, where we will go uh, into the mission field. Um, I want to share first a little bit where we will go. Here up on the slide you can see um, we will go to Nigeria. Uh, we'll see, the laser pointer is here. Here you can see it. Uh, they call it also the armpit of Nigeria, if you can see. <laughs> um, it's actually not as humid and hot as you think. Um, here, where we will go, that's Chos, the city of one million people. Um, it's on the plateau, so it's 1,200 meters above sea level. So it's quite, not chilly, but quite 
I don't know, also not as hot, so uh, average of 25 degrees. Um, overall in that year there are 210 million people. It's pretty much split into half, where we are located here in the middle belt. The northern part is Muslim dominated, the southern belt is Christian dominated, so we are in the mixed belt here. Um, and yeah, predominantly our ministry will be in Chos and towards the north. Um, there are over 500 languages uh, in Nigeria, and this year there was just also a miracle. Um, I don't have the time to go into it, but we found someone who can teach us the predominantly language of Nigeria in the north, northern parts. That's Hausa, uh, Sanu. That means hello. Got a little bit in there already. <laughs> um, yeah, so that was really cool, and now I want to share a little bit in which ministries we want to or hope to anticipate. Um, on my side, uh, I would love to, to share the gospel, and alongside that, I want to provide uh, tr fresh drinking water. Um, back in the days, 2018, we both, we actually met in the mission field, we met in Nigeria. I came from Germany for half a year and served in Nigeria, and she came from the U.S., and it what struck me the most in the, these days was when I went out into the villages, just, yeah, the conditions there. They don't have running water. If they have, uh, if they have water, the water is determinated. It's, it makes them always sick, and it's just terrible to see what's going on. And when I left Nigeria, I, God put it really on my heart, hey, um, you need to come back there and help, help these people. And so, yeah, last year we, uh, like, started the process, or, like, two years almost three years ago, we started a process with SM, just go back or like to apply and then go back into the mission field. And last year, when we uh, looked into the, uh, the fields, um, God really pointed us out that we should go back to Nigeria. And then last uh, year, when we had a first Zoom call with SM Nigeria, I proposed that, hey, God really put that on my heart to dig wells and share the gospel. And then uh, the lead or like the lead person of SM Nigeria said, Wow, that's incredible because one of the missionaries, Peter, who is doing already uh, digging wells, um, they just got last month a whole new trailing truck sponsored. And like beforehand, they did just the hand-digged wells. But a lot of areas you need to go deeper to get actually fresh water because all the hand-digged wells, often the water is still contaminated and they get always sick. So the next slide actually shows that brand new drilling tuck, and that was just for me also really nice confirmation, hey, God wants you down there, because Peter just lo was looking for people who actually like help their drilling, so that was really cool, and yeah, just amazing how God puts uh, these things in place um, and provides. And then I want to share a little bit about uh, Brenna's uh, uh, ministries, or hopes to, to be involved. Um, the first thing is holistic orphan care. Uh, if you look into Nigeria, out of these 210 million people, 50% uh, are under 15 years old. And out of these 50%, 17 million approximately are orphans. So it's a huge field. And like she was involved already uh, to, in 2018 in orphan care and really yeah, came alive in that and wants to continue that when we are back there. Second thing is what she really likes is discipling and mentoring uh, women and teens. And hopefully God will also door, uh, open doors in that um, to do that. And third, I completely forgot, it's also on the list to be mommy to, to Mr. Lucas here. <laughs> it's also a big task. Um, yeah, so that's pretty much it. Um, we hope, and as pr uh, Rich already said, like, yeah, there will be a lot of challenges. There will be a lot of uh, attacks from Satan. And we are, 
would appreciate your prayers along uh, or like for us and along us. And yeah, thank you for listening. And if you want to hear more about uh, what we will do or hope hope to do, and if you want to say goodbye, we have like a saying goodbye farewell next uh, Saturday uh, here in the young adults rooms downstairs from 2 to 4 p.m. Thanks so much. Thank you so much. <clears throat> Would you stand with me as we pray over this couple? If you want to reach out your arm just as part of our commissioning of them this morning, feel free to do that as well. Heavenly Father, we do want to thank you, first of all, the, the uh, task that we share together in Christ of reaching a lost world uh, that needs to know the good news of the gospel. We thank you for the partnerships that we have that enable us to reach around the world and for individuals like Fabian and Brianna and their uh, little baby that are going to be going out and doing some of this work and speaking your name into the lives of people. We just ask, Lord, uh, first of all, for protection for them, over them as a family, that you would continue to provide for their needs. And then, Lord, for the challenges that they face, we pray in Jesus' name that they would be able to overcome. We, th we ask, Lord, for uh, each person that's standing here this morning, that together we would support them, that we would uh, pray for them, and that we would be participate in, in the finances that they're going to need to get over there and to stay there. And then, Lord, we just ask, Lord, that you really would bring in a harvest. You, you've told us to pray the Lord of the harvest to send forth laborers, and that's what we're doing this morning, Lord. We're sending forth laborers into your harvest field, and we're having a part in that. And, Lord, we just ask, Lord, for a great harvest, that you would bless their ministry, that people would come to Christ, that they'd be able to, to make disciples in Jesus' name. We ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. And we'll welcome Catlin to the, the platform to continue this series. This morning he's talking about assignment. Very fitting. Very fitting. Come on, Town and Field, how we doing? We good this morning? Apparently not. Come on. <clears throat> this is um, our last week in the Eden series. And I hope Eden has been good to you these last few weeks as we've looked at identity, purpose, calling, and now assignment. And I hope it's been encouraging to you. I hope it's helped you understand uh, and give you a framework for why you exist and what your purpose on earth is and why God created you. And I hope it's been helpful. And I'm excited to conclude our time together in this series. So over this, over this time, We've looked at identity, answering the question, who am I? Who am I? You're the beloved son and daughter adopted and made in the image of God. We've talked about purpose. Why do I exist? Purpose to be in relationship with him, covenant relationship with him. We talked about calling last week, this idea that you and I have a collective calling, that we are called to represent God to the world. And three times in Genesis 1, he uses the word image, and the Hebrew word for image is selem, which means um, image. Uh, can also be translated idol, and the whole idea is that we are the image of the invisible put in the temple to represent God to the world. And then finally, we've come to assignment. Do I have something to do with the life God has given me? I have this life. I'm living life, but do I have something to do with the life God's given me? And that's what we're looking at this morning. Do I, do I have something to do with the life God has given me? So we're going to go back to Genesis 1, back to the beginning, in Eden, 
to see uh, and to dive into where God first created and breathed life into humanity, to look at the beginning when God assigns us something. And we're going to look at the life of Adam and Eve in the garden. <clears throat> so we're in Genesis, the 26th verse. It says this, Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals. Watch this. Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness. Then he says this, so that, so that. Not just let's make them in our image, put them in a garden, and just let them, let them frolic, you know? Let them just have their best time in the garden. But he says, so that. And then he says that they have something to do. That they would rule over the fish in the sea. That they would rule over the birds in the sky and over the livestock and all the wild animals. And over all the, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. Verse 27. So God created humanity, mankind in his own image. In the image of, uh, in the image of God, he created the male and female he created them. And then he goes on to say this in verse 28. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. And he said to them, be fruitful and multiply. He, he doesn't just create them and put them in the garden and say, perfect, just, just, just like hang out all day. He says, there's something, I'm assigning you something to do. You have something to do. And so God created them as the beloved. That's our identity. And he put them in relationship with him. That's their purpose. And then he calls them to represent him to the world. That's their calling. But then he gives them something to do. And it's important the order in which we've done this. That we first did identity, and then we did our purpose, and then we did our calling, and then we did our assignment. Because if we did assignment first, then the, the temptation would be that what we do for God is how we earn his love. What we do for God is how we earn our purpose. But when we go back to our identity, our identity as the beloved is not based off of what we accomplish, create, or produce. Our identity is in the one who made us. And breathed us into existence. So it's important that we get the order correct. That the assignment is after we're created. Because it's in the creation. When God breathed us into existence. In his image is our identity, purpose, and calling. And then comes assignment. And so that way our, 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 our stepping into assignment is out of a response to the love of God. And is out of a response of our identity and purpose. And not to attain our identity and purpose. Are you with me? Come on. So that when I'm leaning into the assignment God puts on my life, I'm doing it out of a, a place of responding to his love and not trying to earn his love. So did Adam and Eve have something to do with the life they were given? Yes. One, they were, they, they were, they were tasked or assigned to rule over the created order. Two, they were, they were assigned to subdue the earth. And often when we think of this word subdue, we might think of the word dominate. But that's not what he's saying. In the original, subdue means to bring under order, to bring order to, uh, to this, this raw, uh, almost, in a sense, um, 
uh, untamed environment. And so it means to bring under order. In other words, to use raw materials to create. As God creates, God's invited Adam, Adam and Eve to co-create with him, with the raw materials found in the garden. And so they're assigned to subdue it, to bring it. And then we see in, in Genesis, we see the garden in the last letter of the scriptures in Revelation, we see a city, and we see them move from garden to city. And we see them move from taming this wild thing, subduing it, creating until we get to the city. And then finally, the third assignment is be fruitful and multiply to fill the earth. They were given something to do with the life that they had. It wasn't just frolic. It was you have an assignment. And this theme of assignment we see throughout scripture. Adam and Eve assigned to be fruitful and multiply to subdue the earth. Noah assigned to build an ark to bring forth a generation. Abraham assigned to father a nation, the nation of Israel. Moses assigned to lead Israel out of slavery in Egypt and to lead a nation. Joshua assigned to lead Israel into the promised land. Jonah assigned to go to Nineveh to preach against the people who turned from God. Nehemiah assigned to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. David assigned to be king of Israel. Ezekiel assigned to announce judgment and salvation to the nation of Israel. Isaiah assigned to proclaim God's judgment and salvation both to Babylon and Israel. Paul assigned to bring the gospel to the Gentile world and to raise up local leaders. Peter assigned to preach the gospel in the church plant. Assignment. And there's a theme that runs through scripture where God assigns people something to do. Why? Why would God assign something to somebody's life? Like, I'm, there's an invitation to do something together. There's an invitation to an assignment. There's an invitation to do something. I think primarily there's two reasons. I think the first reason is this, that God is always bringing forth the kingdom. The first reason for assignment is God is always bringing forth the kingdom. God is not idle. He's not idling. He's not sitting there just in the, heaven, the heavenly dimension, just idling by while the earth goes on. He is involved and he is uh, active. God is moving. He's not idling. He's active and on the move. And since he's relational, he wants to invite you into what he's doing. And so he invites you by giving you responsibility in his plans by gifting you an assignment, by gifting you. When I first wrote that, I, I wrote it as, he, I wrote it in my notes as, to give you an assignment. Then as I thought on I was like, it's not giving us an assignment, it's gifting us an assignment. And I think it's an interesting uh, play on words because as when I first wrote it as giving me assignment, I was like, ah, what a gift it is to be invited into the cause of Christ, isn't it? What a gift it is that God, a relational God, would have a relational plan that says, I'm on the move, my kingdom is moving forward, my kingdom is on the move. This is what Jesus says when he first started his ministry. Jesus says the kingdom of God is, in, is at hand, and at hand it is. And he's like, you, there's an invitation for you to participate in the kingdom. And so I want to gift you responsibility to participate and play a part in the coming of the kingdom. Isn't that wild? Just think on that for a second. That the monarch, the king of kings, says you have a responsibility if you so, if you so choose to walk out your assignment, that I want to give you some responsibility. I want to give you a place of influence. I want to give you something to do in the coming of my kingdom. How amazing is that, that he's invited you in to participate in the coming of the kingdom, the reason the Messiah was sent, that the kingdom is at hand. And God says, hey, hey come on in. I want to do this with you because the kingdom is always moving forward. And the second reason for why an assignment is God wants to do it with you. 
if we are in relationship with God, that's our purpose, then it would, he would want you to walk out your purpose through your assignment. So he invites you into relationship. That's why he restores it and reconciles it when it's lost. He brings you into relationship, so he wants to do your assignment in relationship. I believe he also wants to do your assignment in relationship for this reason. And as he invites you into that assignment, so that we are positioned in a way to walk out relationship with him in both trust and obedience. And I feel like when God invites you into relationship, his, his purpose is to always move deeper in relationship with you. And I don't think there's ever an opportunity to, and be positioned to move deeper in relationship than when we are forced to have trust and obedience. Trust and obedience. And so he positions in, in a way that we have to rely on him so we trust him. And then he says, if you're going to trust me, then you got to be obedient and walk it out. So how do we discern our assignment? Okay, so there's, there's a theme through scripture of assignment. God's giving people something to do. So how do I know what I'm supposed to do? That's the question then, isn't it? How do I know what God's assigned me? And so when you consider a relationship in your life, your friends or your, somebody in your family or somebody, your coworker you hang out with, how do you know when they want you to do something? Do you read their mind? No. You don't read their mind. They tell you. How do they tell you? They communicate. Sometimes we take faith and we make it complicated when it's not complicated. We try to have all these, all these ways that we want to discern God's call and God's assignment when we hear the voice of God. But how does somebody communicate to you? They talk to you. To communicate, someone speaks and somebody listens. Isn't it true? To communicate, somebody speaks, somebody listens. If God is going to speak, then we have to listen. If God's going to speak, then we have to listen. And I love in John chapter 10, Jesus says that he's the good shepherd and the sheep know his voice. If they know his voice, that means the sheep have to listen to his voice. So the question is, if God is speaking, are you listening? To communicate, somebody speaks, somebody listens. The question, if God is going to communicate, are we listening? Are you listening to the voice of God? How does God speak? I think there's some primary way God speaks that we can listen to his voice. So when we're discerning, God, is this, are you speaking to me? I want to hear what you have to say. I want to, God, is there something you're assigning to my life? I think this is how he communicates. It's not an exhaustive list, but I think it's some of the primary ways he speaks. I think he primarily speaks through his word and through scripture. So as we're in the word and we're in scripture, often God will speak to us through his word and through his scripture. And as the scripture gets into us, God can use scripture to speak to us. You know, I told this story, but let me tell it again. Almost a year and a half ago, I was sitting in Calgary with Tay. We were, we were traveling together, her and I, that's my daughter. We were traveling, and um, it, was, uh, a, it, was the, it was the day Greg had called me, and he had said, Kat, would you consider being interim lead for a season? And I had said no, because I was scared, and we're going to get to fear in a minute. So you could be scared too, because I was scared. I was laying in bed awake, and the Lord brought a story to my mind. And he says, and he, this is how he does it. He says, Catelyn, do you love me? Yes, I love you, God, of course. I'm like, forget about that. I'm concerned about this over here, you know. I'm, I'm scared about all that's going on, you know. And I was like, of course I love you, but I'm worried about this over here. And he's like, do you love me? I'm like, yes. He's like, feed my sheep. He's like, don't do that. Because that story is a story out of the scriptures where Jesus goes 
to Peter and says, Peter, do you love me? He says, yes. He does it three times. And three times Jesus says, feed my sheep. And God used scripture to speak to me to say, for a season, I'm going to assign you something, Catelyn, and I want you to step into it. And he used scripture. So the, God will speak through his scripture if you know his scripture. And often he'll bring scripture to your mind to speak to you. So, the, so we want to know his scripture because it's one of the primary ways he communicates. He communicates through trusted community and friends. You ever have those moments a friend comes to you and says, you know, I wonder if the Lord's speaking this over you, or they come and they, they want to they, they speak into your life. And so he often speaks through trusted community and friends. Often he'll speak through a thought, or something comes on your heart, or you have a burden, or something comes on you, and you're just like, wow, I just really feel like the Lord. And so often God will, God will speak to you. And then, you know, even this summer, there's Carissa, one of our young adults, went to Pastor Darren and said, Darren, there's just been this thing on my heart lately. And I really feel like the Lord's inviting me into, we could, we could, we could reword that, I really feel like the Lord's assigning me uh, that he wants me to get involved with our student ministries here at, at TNF, and I want to get involved, so like, what would that look like to join your team and be involved? And when I heard that story, I thought, oh, I love that, that the Lord often will put something on your heart where you're like, oh, I just feel this burden, I just feel like God's just pressing this on my heart, I feel like the Lord's speaking to me in some ways. Often he'll, he'll, he'll speak through a circumstance. A circumstance presents itself and you sense God inviting you into it. And I think of this guy, Dave Elliott, who's here and started coming this, over this last year. And as I got to know his story, he's like, when I came to faith a couple years ago, I met Jesus just recently in my life. I, I started going to a nearby church and, and they didn't have anyone doing student, student ministry, youth ministry, but they, they had a few students. So he saw a circumstance and felt like the Lord was speaking to him, like, you should, you should help with that because no one's doing that. And so he just responded to what he felt like was the Lord inviting him into that. And so sometimes the Lord will speak through circumstance. And so Dave steps in and starts just doing student stuff, youth stuff. And the Lord just honored that and favored that and, and amazing things happened there. And sometimes we'll feel like the Lord speaks through a circumstance to us. So how do we know if, if it's from, how do we know when we're discerning God's voice if it's him or just my imagination or my own desires? Because sometimes that's me. I was like, is that just me? I think there's two, two litmus tests that we can take. One, assignments are always kingdom driven. Watch this. Assignments are always kingdom driven. Every assignment given to a person, when we look at scripture, every assignment given to a person is always kingdom driven. It's always for the king and the kingdom. And the assignment always affirms the character of God and moves the cause of Christ forward. It's every assignment is to help move the kingdom forward. So he invites you in because of relationship. He says, I want to invite you into what I'm doing. But the invitation is to help move the kingdom forward, not your own empire. It's to help move the kingdom forward. So our assignment is never for our own glory. It's only ever for his glory. You know, I remember we were, when I was running, um, I founded and was running the student ministry in Vancouver. And uh, for, for a season, our, our, um, our, our, our worship team and, and myself were, got a lot of really cool opportunities and invitations. So we started traveling a fair bit. With the, with the, and, and the music team would come with me. And I remember there were certain people I would bring with me. Because I felt like their character uh, was in the right position. And so I would invite only certain people. And this one guy, and you got to remember, everybody on this team is young. Everybody's probably 22 years or younger. It's a very young team. And one of the young persons comes up to me because they were never invited purposefully on my part to, to travel. 
And they, they asked me why they, they didn't really ask me. They just told me why they were not able to come. And, and, I, was, and I remember thinking in my mind, I was like, you're not invited because your character's not where it needs to be to be able to have the opportunity that is being presented. And so certain people are invited. And, and then this person says to me, Kat, I deserve this. Think about this for a second. God invites you into something or doesn't invite you into something. Our attitude is never, ever for our own glory. It's never for ourselves. It's never to advance ourselves. It's never to grow our own empire. If we are given an assignment, it's always to advance the kingdom. It's always to advance the kingdom. It's never for our own glory. And so when this young person says, Cat, I deserve this, and, I was, and in my head I said, the fact you're even saying that tells me that you're not ready. Because we can never allow our competencies in our assignment to get ahead of our character. Our character always has to go ahead of our competency or our talents in our assignment. Because if we allow to do it the other way, then we get into dangerous territory. Often our assignment has a timing, that there's a season for your assignment. Sometimes it's short, sometimes it's long. And often your assignment has a season. Some misconceptions. You know, often people say this about assignment. God will put something on their heart so they get passionate. I love that because they're passionate about what God's put on their heart. But this is what some people will do. They'll, God puts something on their heart, and this happens quite often. And people will come, and they'll say, God put this on my heart, so it needs to become part of the church because it's on my heart. So it needs to become, everybody needs to do this. And I'm guilty of this too, so like just, I'm just, I'm just tying myself in. Because I'm like, if, if I, I was like, this makes sense, so everybody should do this because I'm going to do this, you know? And people want to put their assignment in the context of the local church for the support and platform it provides to build it. However, this is neither sustainable nor strategic. Let me just paint you with a hypothetical to make my point. Let's say, let's say the Lord just invites you. You just feel like this burden, maybe through scripture. There's a scripture that talks about caring for the widow and the orphan and those in prison. So all of a sudden, maybe through scripture, a burden on your heart. You're like, ah. I feel like the Lord's inviting me into prison ministry. The Lord wants me to minister at the prison in Abbotsford. So then you have two options in this moment that you feel like God's inviting you into minister. Because I actually love prison ministry. I think it's the coolest thing. God puts it on your heart. You could say, okay, God, I feel like you're inviting me into this, that maybe there's an assignment here to go and minister and spend time at the local prison. So you could do it two ways. Okay, I'm going to go do that. Or you could, or this is often what people will do. Pastor Cat, God put it on my heart for prison ministry. Okay. We need to start a whole prison ministry, do we though? We need budget lines, resources, structure, systems. We need it all. I'm like, or could it be that God's just invited you to go minister to some people in the Abbotsford prison? But sometimes people get stuff on their heart, and they're like, this is, this is for everybody, Kat. I'm like, oh, is it, though? Or is it that God has invited you into something? And so as we're discerning the voice of God, we're discerning, God, what are you, what are you inviting me into? 
And so sometimes as we're praying and we're just singing, sometimes we just go through daily life and it's, it's, it's just normal for a long time. And then all of a sudden we just feel out of nowhere that God just invites us into something. So what do I do when I feel like God is inviting me into something? What do I do with an assignment? What do I do when I feel like the Lord has invited me into something? And I'm going to give you three points because a lot of you like three points. People say, Pastor, give me three points. I got three points. So if the Lord puts something on your heart for an assignment, here's your three points. You do it, keep doing it, don't stop doing it. That's your three points. Do it, keep doing it, don't stop doing it. If you feel like the Lord is putting something on your heart, it's like, oh, I feel like I should do this. You do it. And we're going to get to fear in a minute. But you do it. And there's an interesting parable out of Matthew 25 that I'd love to read to you. And it's where Jesus is describing the kingdom of heaven to people. He's like, this is what the kingdom is like. The kingdom of heaven is like this. And, he, and in verse 14 of the 25th chapter, Jesus tells a story about assignment. He says this, the kingdom of heaven is like this. It's like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one, he gave five bags of gold. To another, two bags. And to another, one bag. Each according to his ability. They're given, they're given something according to what they're able to do. And then he left on a journey. The man who received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five bags more, multiplying his efforts. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I've gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Uh, let me pause for a second. The reason our identity and purpose is so important to have correct is because we could come here to the 21st verse and we could say for Jesus, Jesus, I want to multiply my efforts. I want to be assigned something. And then watch what the master replies with. Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. Um, that I put you in charge of, come and share in your master's happiness. And if we have our, if we have our identity and purpose misaligned, we will want to do things, because this is often my temptation, I want to do something, God, because I want you to take delight in me. And I want you to be happy. And I want to share in your happiness. And if I have my identity and purpose misaligned, then I, I work hard trying to attain that. But when we have our identity and purpose correctly aligned, we know we already have it. And so I don't have to do it for happiness, but I get to enjoy in the coming of the kingdom. Now, it goes on, verse 22. The man with two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I have gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. Let me reread that because I want you to catch something in there. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many more things. Where faithfulness is, trust is given. Then the man who had received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, 
I knew that you are a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered. Watch this, verse 25, because this is where we're going to plant ourselves in a minute. He says, so I was afraid. So I was afraid and went out and hid your gold in the ground. I did nothing with what you assigned me. I was afraid. So here is back what you gave me. I'm giving back what you gave me. There's no interest on it. Nothing's been grown. Nothing's been planted, sown, and harvested. Here's just back what you gave me. Here's my lot back. His master replied, verse 26, you, you wicked and lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. Well, then you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. So take the bag of gold from him. Give it to the one who has ten bags. For whoever has will be given more. And they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. There's this interesting story where Jesus tells this parable about what the kingdom is like. And the kingdom is like giving away portions to people based off their abilities for the advancing of the kingdom to multiply stuff. Where he gives a little, as we're faithful, he entrusts us with more so that our trust and obedience grow at the same rate as what we are entrusted with. If our, and then, like I said, if our competencies get ahead of our character, it's dangerous for ourselves. And so our successes, like when, when the guy with 10 bags, the guy with five bags are very successful. So that while we're sowing what we've been given, while we're using what we've been given, while we're living out the assignment God's given us, our successes should only lead us to worship. When we're successful in our assignment, when we're successful with what God's given us, it leads us to worship, not to ego. We should, our success comes because God has given us assignment and he doesn't abandon us, but he fills us with the spirit, empowers us with power and anointing, to walk out assignments. And so when we're successful like Moses, when we're, we're successful like Gideon, when we're successful, it doesn't bolster our ego, but it leads us to worship. That we worship God with an attitude of thank you, Lord. Thank you that you've entrusted with me with more to you be the glory. It's like when I think of ministry, what an honor it's been over the years to do really cool stuff. And yet when I think back to when my pastor first gave me an assignment, I just come to faith, and um, I was already leading stuff like where I was in the city I was born in, um, uh, and and more in like other th areas. And, and my pastor said, "You obviously have natural leadership capabilities, but I want you to come early and set up chairs." It's like I'm gonna, I want you to do that for me. Now we could just look at that as serving, but in that season, that was my assignment, and it was a small assignment, but I took it serious. Because I have OCD. And my chairs were the best chairs. And they didn't link together like these ones where they're hard to move. My chairs were loose and everyone was moving them around, messing them up. And I had the perfect curve so you could see every angle of the platform and perfect space so you weren't breathing on the neck in front of you. It was ideal. And I took my assignments serious. Before any major platforms, conferences, or any other opportunity came my way, I set up chairs. We, don't, we never undermine the small assignments because every assignment builds the kingdom. 
Because it was in those chairs that people got saved. It was in those chairs people had encounters with the presence of God. It was in those chairs people uh, engaged and made friends and built community and had moments with the Holy Spirit. And so the chairs, in my mind, were significant because what happened in the chairs and in the room. So I took the assignment serious. Not that I was, at that point in my life, invited to anything special. But it was an opportunity that I knew God wanted to meet people and to make the atmosphere what we wanted to be a required chairs. And so I took the chairs serious because the chairs helped advance the kingdom. Are you with me? I used to say at my old church, uh, I was really good friends with our custodial staff. And I said, you guys are advancing the kingdom and you don't even know it. You think you're cleaning or tidying or whatever. I said, you're creating spaces where people come in and they're not distracted because the building's a mess. But they can come in and because the building is, is beautiful and ready to receive people, people can come in undistracted to come into an atmosphere of encounter. And these custodial guys weren't even believers. They, they just took the jobs. And I said, you guys, you guys don't even know Jesus, but you're creating atmospheres of encounter because of how you're cleaning and tidying and creating the facility to be. And I was like, you're advancing the kingdom. There is no job or assignment that's greater than another. We're all given uh, a, a, a part to play, and God invites us into that assignment so that we can, tr one, trust that what God is doing is best. So oftentimes at the outset, the assignment doesn't make sense or the assignment's scary, so I extend trust to God. God, I trust you in this. And then obedient. God, because I trust him, because God, I trust you, I'm going to be obedient and say yes to what you have in front of me. And then in verse 25, I love it, he says, the one guy, the one out of the three says this, the, 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 the owner comes and he says, why did you do nothing? And in verse 25, the servant says, because I was afraid. And often the assignment looks scary. And it's not just us. It's not just us. In Jonah, the first chapter, verse 1, it says, the word of the Lord came to Jonah. Go to the great city of Nineveh. And preach against it because it's wicked and it's come up before me. But watch this. But Jonah ran away before the Lord and headed to another city. Jonah, I have an assignment for your life. Nope, I'm out of here. And he leaves. It's like, go to Surrey. Nope, I'm out of here. As a Surrey resident, I take offense to your opinion. Judges 6, Gideon. Gideon responds to the Lord. The Lord says to him, sends an angel, great and mighty warrior, you're going to lead us. And Gideon responds in the 6th chapter, pardon me, my Lord. I love the manners. Pardon me, my Lord. I mean, you want to deny God, but you don't want to, like, offend God. Pardon me, my Lord. Gideon replied, how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest, and I am the least in my family. The angel speaks to him. Gideon, you're going to do some amazing things. God has an assignment for your life. Mm, I'm pretty, I'm, no, not, mm, no. Um, I'm, my, clan's, my clan sucks, and I'm the least in my clan, so find someone else. Moses, Exodus 4, Moses said to the Lord, pardon your servant. I love the matters, manners. Pardon your servant, Lord. I have, so context, the Lord spoke to Moses. Moses, I'm going to put you before, put you before Pharaoh, and I'm going to assign you an assignment and put you before Pharaoh, and we're going to bring deliverance to the nation, to the Hebrew community and the nation of Israel. And Moses responds this way in the fourth chapter of Exodus. Pardon your servant, Lord. I have never been eloquent, neither in the past, nor since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and tongue. Well, modest. 
The Lord said to him, who gave human beings their mouth? Oh, yeah. Let me, pardon, your, pardon your servant, Lord. I have never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and tongue. But the, but, but the Lord wants to encourage him. So God says, but who gave human beings their mouths? Who makes them deaf or mute? Who gives them sight or makes them blind? Is it not I, the Lord? So in other words, he's saying, I gave you your mouth. I'll speak through you. I'll do it through you. Be encouraged. Now, and then God goes on. Now go. I will help you. I will help you. Here's a promise. I will help you. I won't abandon you. I will help you. Speak. And I will teach you what to say. But watch this. Moses responds, pardon your servant, Lord. Please send someone else. Verse 25 in Matthew 25. But I was afraid. Here's Moses. Gets a promise from the Lord. I'll do it through you, Moses. Just give me a yes. And he says, and he says in, the, in verse 13 of the fourth chapter of Exodus, pardon your servant, Lord, please send someone else. I don't want to do it. Abraham, Genesis 17, Abraham fell face down after the Lord gave him a word that your wife would have a child, but they're elderly. And it says this in Genesis 17, Abraham fell face down and he laughed. He laughed and he said to himself, will a son be born to an old man? Will Sarah bear a child at her age of 90? And Abraham said to God, if only Ishmael might live under your blessing. Ishmael was his other son that he had from another woman. And he says, give the blessing to my son Ishmael, not to me. I don't want to do it. Verse 25 of the 25th chapter. But I'm afraid. And often... Somebody sent me this quote because I was complaining about how scared I was about the assignment that I've been in for a few months now. And I put it up on my whiteboard so I can look at it daily. And the quote goes like this. The assignment God has for your life will likely be scary at times. It will be beyond your comfort zone. Your assignment will likely require faith, dependence on God, and fearless leadership. The question when I think about my assignment, is do I trust God because of my purpose to be in relationship with God? Do I trust him? Am I obedient to what I feel like God's putting on my heart? Am I obedient to set up chairs? Am I obedient to speak? Am I obedient to do this? Am I trusting that what he has for your life and my life is better than what I've planned for myself? Do I trust him? And that he gives you an assignment. That he wants to move the kingdom forward. And because he's a relational God with a relational plan, he's like, I don't want to just do this by myself. I want to move the kingdom forward. I want to advance the kingdom. And I want to do it with you. Because I'm a relational God and I care more about trust and obedience. I care more about trust and obedience. And our relationship that you and I get to do this together. So I want to give you an assignment. And there's seasons. So sometimes we go through life and it feels like nothing. But then there's that moment that I feel like, in my life, God, is there something you want me to do with the life you've given me? Is there something that you want to assign to my life? And sometimes it's small. Sometimes it's Carissa. Like, I want you to serve with young people. I want you to serve students. I want you to be invested in the lives of young girls and young people. And I want you to show up every Sunday night and get involved. It's like, okay, I'll be obedient. And then sometimes it's like Fabian and his family. It's like, I want you to go to Nigeria. I want you to, I want you to do what I've assigned you. And I've already gone ahead of you. And before you even knew it, I had a truck ready for you before you even knew it. And I'm going to assign it to you. And at other times it's easier. Sometimes it's like, just come and set up chairs. But I feel like, and it's evident that when God gave an assignment in Eden, 
He's a God that says, I don't want to just create you so you can frolic. I want to create you so that you and I can do something together. We can go on assignment together. Because how fun is that? I will put my spirit in you so I can do it through you. So I can do something special through your life. And I didn't like, he's like, because you're, 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 you're made in my image. I want you to represent me to the world, but I also want to do something through your life. That you have a significant part to play in the coming of the kingdom. And I want, but it's not for your ego, and it's not so you're awesome, it's that it would bring me glory. But you and I get to do it together. And I know sometimes it's scary, because I want to put you out there a little bit, so that you have to trust me. This is what happened to Gideon in Judges 6. When God calls Gideon, Gideon says, I'm the least person you should be asking. But he pulls together an army to go into a battle, and God says, your army's too big. But it was significantly smaller than the opposition. He's like, I want your army to be so small so that the only explanation for your victory is that God interceded. And so sometimes, like in verse 25 of Matthew 25, we get to the place like that servant, and I can't blame him, where he's like, but I was afraid. And sometimes when I feel like God's aside something on my life, it's like my first response is, but God, I'm afraid. What if I don't do it right? What if I'm not good enough? What if people don't like me? And I get afraid. But friends, God wouldn't put you out there to abandon you. He would put you out there because he's like, I want you to trust me more. And then I love in the 25th chapter of Matthew, he's like, the little bit I give you, if you're faithful, I want to give you more. I want to trust you with more. I want to assign you more. I want to give you more influence and leadership. And for you, that might be in your workplace or with your family or on the sports teams that you're part of in your neighborhood or the things that you give your time to. God might be like, if you're faithful what I've given you, I'm going to give you I want to give you more. I want to give you more. Not so that you could be like this young person that was part of my ministry. It's like, I deserve it. We deserve nothing. But there's a beautiful invitation to participate in the coming of the kingdom. And, and often, I was talking to my friend this week, and let me close with this thought. So team, you can come back. My friend was doing significant, really cool stuff. And I won't brag about him. But he was doing very cool stuff. And then he felt like his assignment was over. And so he left it. He walked away from it. So I think my time here is done. And he's, he's just been hanging with his boys. And then he's like, he's like, I was meeting with this church the other day, talking with them. And he's like, it's so interesting because he was talking to me about the, the context and the culture there. And he's like, they're stuck in their culture. And I said to him something. Sometimes I say things before I th really think about them. And then it makes sense after. And I said, that's because, I don't know, I've never been to this church. You know, but I said, that's because what you're describing, people want church, but they don't want the kingdom. It's like, they want to come and have coffee and community, but they actually don't want the kingdom. If you want the kingdom, you desire what the kingdom's about. That the kingdom, oh, this is why when Jesus came and started his ministry, he said, the kingdom is at hand. Not, come on to service, we're going to church. He said, the kingdom's at hand. The kingdom's advancing. And that's why demons got released out of people. And that's why people got saved. And that's why the centurion came to Jesus and says, my servant needs to be healed because the kingdom's at hand. And I said to my friend, I said, I think those people you're talking about, I said, I think they're too comfortable because they just want their church, but they don't want the kingdom. Friends, I want the kingdom. Friends, I want the kingdom. And so part of my motivation when I'm afraid is that, God, I want to step into uh, my assignment because I want to do it with you, because I want to be in relationship with you, but I also desire that your kingdom comes. I also desire that your kingdom comes. I don't want to play church. 
I desire that your kingdom comes. Because this is fun for an hour. But then you go to work tomorrow. Or you go hang out with your neighbors. Or you go to the places you occupy. And it's like, no, no, I want the kingdom there. Because I want to see the kingdom transform places. I don't want to play church, friends. I want to see the kingdom transform our city. Because I want to leave a legacy. And so, friends, I just, it's like an exhortation right now. But I just want to, I just want to encourage you. When you feel afraid because God's put something on your heart, to not be afraid because he walks with you. Because when we look at significant leaders that we love to brag about in the scriptures, like Moses and Abraham and Gideon and David, and we start listing people as faith warriors, then all of a sudden we realize that at the moment of their assignment, they were afraid. And it's okay to be afraid. God's inviting you into trust. And we get to extend trust when we're, when we're afraid and we say, yes, I want to do this, God. I want to step into my assignment. Come on, let's stand. We're going to respond. Would you pray with me? God, we're so thankful that you're a relational God that wants to do it with us. God, we're so thankful that even when we're afraid, we want to step out. We want to step out into assignment so that we would see your kingdom come. We want to step out into things you've assigned to our lives. In this season and in the seasons to come, God, that we would see your kingdom come, not for our glory, but for your glory. Come on, in Jesus' name.
as we head out into this week on assignment for you, I pray your blessing over these people. May we be, may we be those that listen for your voice, whether it's to just come and set up chairs, whether it's to go halfway around the world, whether it's to go across the street in a place that's scary or, or speak up at our workplace. Help us not to do so in fear, but help us to go in your faithfulness, in your strength, following after what you've called us into in this life. And we'll give you all the praise and glory. May your kingdom come. May your will be done in our lives. In Christ's name, amen. Have a great week.